Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Arena Talks. I'm your host Arena, and today we're talking about the A-Team with Bob Fossler. The A-Team is an American action-adventure television series that ran on NBC from 1982 to 1987 about former members of a fictional United States Army Special Force unit. The four members of the team were tried by court-martial for a crime they had not committed. They were convinced and convicted to serve terms in a military prison, but later escaped to Los Angeles and began working as soldiers of fortune while trying to clear their names and avoid capture by law enforcement and military authorities. The series was created by Stephen J. Cannell and Frank Lupo. A future film based on the f- series was released by the 20th Century Fox in 2010. The A-Team is an episodic show, which few overreaching stories, except the characters continue motivating to clear their names with few references to events in the past episodes and a recognizable and st- steady episode structure. In the description, the ratings dropped that occurred during the show, fourth season. Reviewer Goldberg pointed this structure as being a leading cause for the decreasing popularity, because the same basic plot had been used over and over again for the most past four seasons with the same predictable outcome. Similarity reports Adrian Lee called the plot stunningly simple. In the 2003 article for the Express UK newspaper, citing such recurring elements as BA fear of flying and outlandish finalities when the team fashions weapons from household items, the show becomes emblematic of this kind of fit-for-TV warfare due to its description of high-octane combat scenes with little weapons. When the participants, with the normal exceptions of General Fulbright, are never killed and rarely seriously injured, see also on-screen violence collection. The item revolves around four members of a former commander outfit now mercenaries. Their leader is Lieutenant Colonel John Hannibal Smith, who plans tend to be unorthodox but effective. Lieutenant Templeton Peck, usually called Face or Faceman, is in a smooth talking con man who serves as the team's appropriator of vehicles and other useful items as well as the team's second-in-command. The team's pilot is Captain H.M. Howling Mad Murdoch, who has been declared insane and lives in a veteran affairs mental institution for the show's first four seasons. Finally, there is the team's strongman, mechanic and sergeant first-class Bosco, B.A. or Bad Attitude Baracus. The team belongs to the 5th Special Forces as seen in the left side shoulder pads on Hannibal's uniform in the episode A Nice Place to Visit. A patch on Hannibal's uniform on the right shoulder is that episode indicated he belongs to the 101st Synth Airborne during a prior combat assignment, but that patch was replaced by the 1st Air Calvary Division patch in the episode Trial by Fire. The patch worn on the left sleeve, according to uniform wear, is the army in the current assignment of the person wearing it, and in the episode A Nice Place to Visit shows that the team was assigned to the Special Forces with a tap airborne over the shoulder patch. Also there are Berets in that episode are green and have the tabs of the 5th Special Forces in Vietnam on them. In the episode West Coast Turnout, Hannibal states they were with the 5th Special Forces group. Then in the episode Bedtime on the Border, Hannibal refers to his friend as ex-green barrets. 
through the name they have adopted come from the A-teams. The nickname stuck. Coined for Special Forces Operational Detachment Alpha. These detachments usually consisted on 12 members. Whatever the four were consisted are detachment of their own or had once had eight compatriots who were killed in action was never revealed. In the episode A Nice Place to Visit, Ray Brenner is stated to have been a major and part of Hannibal's team in Vietnam. For its first season and the first half of the second season, the team was assisted by reporter Amy Amanda Allen. In the second half of the se- second season, Allen was replaced by fellow reporter Tonya Baker. The character of Tia, a Vietnam War author now living in the United States, was meant to join the team in the fifth season. But she was replaced by Frankie Santana, who served as the team's specialist effect expert. Fellas was added to the opening credits of the fifth season after the second episode. During their adventures, the A-team was constantly met by opposition from the military police. In the show's first season, the MPs were led by Colonel Francis Lynch, but he was replaced for the second, third and early fourth season by Colonel Roderick Decker and his aide Captain Crane. Lynch returned from one episode in the show, the third season, but was not seen after. Decker was also briefly replaced by the Colonel Briggs in the third season for one episode, when Legault was unavailable by returning shortly after. For the latter portion of the show's fourth season, the team was hunted by General Harlan, Bull Fulbright. We would later hire a team to find Tia in the season 4 finale during which Fulbright was killed. The fifth season introduced General Hunt Stockwell, who while serving as the team primary anatogrist, was also the team boss and joined them on several missions. He was often assisted by Carla, character traits, Colonel John Hannibal Smith, is the brains of the A-team, the technician and leader of the team, and a cunning master of disguise. His most used disguise is Mr. Lee, the dry cleaner who performs one of the final parts of the client screening process, concluding by telling clients where to go to make direct contact with the A-team. Smith dresses most often in a tan safari jacket and black leather gloves. He also is constantly seen smoking a cigar. Hannibal carries either a Browning high power Colt M1911A1 or a Smith & Weston Molo 39 as a sidearm. Most of the Mexican carried, which means what exactly? Although he used a holster when on missions, his Catchphrase is, I love it when a plant comes together. He is often said, usually by BA, to be on the jazz and in his trial of completing a mission. Lieutenant Templeton Faceman Peck is the face of 48 team and the master of the pervasiveest arch. The team scrounder and con artist. He can get virtually anything he sets his mind to, usually exploiting women with sympathy, appeal, and flirtation. He grew up an orphan and is not without integrity, as stated by Murdoch in the episode Family Reunion. He will rip the shirt off his back for you and then scam one for himself. Faceman is also the ATM accountant. He dresses seriously, often appearing in suits, and can blend in well with the upper class, sometimes scamming luxury apartments for long terms as well as regular visits to exclusive restaurants and invitations to opulent banquets, all on the basic of false identity he invents. Faceman carries a cold lawman 
MK3 revolver for protection and runs a custom white 1984 Corvette with red trim, which he buys several episodes into the second season. Sergeant Bosco BA, Bad Attitude Baracus, is the muscle for the A team, able to perform exceptional feats of strength. He is also the team mechanic, master at arms, demolition, and weapon specialist. Baracus effects are disliked for Murdoch, calling him a crazy fool, but his true feelings of friendship are revealed when he prevents Murdoch from drowning in his desire to live like a fish. Baracus also has a deep aphelophobia and the other usually have to trick him and or knock him out to get him on an aircraft. It is very rare that Baracus is awake while flying and even rarer for him actually to consent to it. When he does, however, he then goes into a catatonic state. Baracus generally wears overalls and leopard or tiger print shirts in the early seasons and wears a green jumpsuit in the later seasons. He is almost always seen with many gold chains and rings on every finger and also wears a white lifting belt. Baracus' hairstyle is always in a mohawk-like cut. He drives a customized black GMC van, actually a black and metallic dark grey with an angled red stripe between, that serves as the team's usual mode of transport. Captain H.M. Howling Mad Murdoch is the team resident pilot and can fly any kind of aircraft with customizable skills. However, due to the helicopter tries in Vietnam, Murdoch appears went insane. He lives in a veteran hospital in the mental wing. Whenever he wants of the team requires a pilot, they have to break him out of the hospital, generally using facemen to do so. In season 1 till 4, Murdoch has a different imaginary pet, imaginary friend, or often eagle in each episode. When one of his imaginary pets or imaginary friends is killed by an enemy, Murdoch usually snaps and takes revenge but never kills. Brock is annoyed and aggravated by Murdoch's delusions and usually yells that his imaginary pet friend or identity is not real, often making violent threats against Murdoch if he persists. These threats are never carried out but do have the effect of limited Murdoch's expressions of his fantasies, perhaps just enough to keep them in check so that Murdoch can do his job on the team. Many times when Baracus is mad at Murdoch for being crazy, Hannibal will side with Murdoch in sympathy way. Murdoch usually wears a leather flight jacket, a baseball cap and basketball sneakers. Once he is discharged from the hospital in season 5, Mordek has a different job each episode. Well guys, let me introduce you to Bob again. Hello Bob! Hello! Thank you for having me on today's show. Yeah, thank you for joining me. So today's subject is the A-Team. Yeah, one of my favorite shows from the 1980s, I believe it started in 1982. Um, I recall that it it, it started as a um, mid-season show, uh, and I I believe it also followed um, the Super Bowl uh, that that year, and that was always a peak spot. That after the Super Bowl, you know, uh, networks would introduce their you know, would introduce a new show or a pilot. It, was, it seemed to be a prime time, even though the, the Super Bowl, you never knew when the Super Bowl would end because of the game. But I believe that's when the A-Team debuted its pilot uh, uh, episode. Might have been 90 minutes long. I'm not sure. And uh, it was an immediate hit. It was, uh, you know, quickly picked up uh, or, you know, it, it, it continued on as a series. And it was very popular. Uh, almost immediately. It was just a lot of fun. And um well, it still started... is popular. Yes, yes. Um the pilot episode uh featured 
uh, a different actor who played Face, who would uh, be, you know, he would be replaced by um, Dirk Benedict, who I had the honor of meeting several years ago. And uh, it also featured in the show uh, William Wyndham, who was a, uh, I believe he was the editor or, or a fellow reporter for the newspaper or news agency that uh, Melinda Kulo's uh, character of Amy Amanda, um, Amy Amanda Anderson, whatever it, her full name was, it, that's how she got her code name of AAA because she had three A names. <laughs> And uh, Ron, and I'm probably going to mispronounce his name, Paola, who was better known as Horshack in uh, Welcome Back, Potter. Uh, <laughs> and he was he was in that pilot as well. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was a cute episode. It was a cute pilot, and it gave enough background. And then they immediately went into the to the series, um, the the reason why the actor whose name I don't recall but he had darker hair uh, was replaced with Dirk Benedict is he looked he looked very young and in they, they the producers which was Stephen J Cannell uh, who had done many an action series including the um, greatest American hero and I believe later he did the series Renegade with uh, Lorenzo Lamas uh, and um, that, that they felt that, that that actor was too too young to be a Vietnam vet. And that's what the series was about, uh, essentially for Vietnam veterans who had been falsely accused of uh, robbing from the, the Bank of Hanoi uh, during their, their term and, you know, during their service in Vietnam. And so they were actually wanted by the government, um, loved that was incorporated into the opening of the series and then had the iconic theme song that I hummed just before we went on live. <laughs> um, and uh, they added, you know, triple uh, a Melinda to the, to, to the first season and a half of uh, the show. And uh, it was the, the formula was essentially that they were, um, um not necessarily mercenaries but you could hire them to to uh, undo you know a wrong that was being done that either the police or the government couldn't handle and uh you know they were they were always uh helping the little guys you know be it a unfair you know landlord who's a criminal uh you know it, it always seems like they were defending uh those that were being bullied and being crim criminally uh, targeted, but whether it be a, on a ranch where people were trying to grab their land, whether there was uh, oh, so many different scenarios, uh, uh, you know, stealing property, um, you know, it, it they were always there and would infiltrate, you know, go undercover if it was a uh, fixed election or something like that. I mean, there was so many great episodes, especially in the first several seasons, where you know you would combine action and some comedy and just just the rapport between those four. And um... what I always liked about it is that they had those uh, MacGyver style solutions to help people out. Yes. Yes, they would always, if they were in a fix, BA's, BA's mechanical expertise, you know, uh, BA Baracus, wonderfully played by by Mr. T, who of course was the muscle of the of the foursome, but was also a, a mechanical genius, and as, as were the others. And they would always, you know, if they were trapped in 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 a warehouse uh, or something like that, they would come up with some kind of, you know, they'd put metal on top of a tractor or something crazy and just burst out of there. And, um, you know, and even though there was so many bullets flying, no one really ever got hit <laughs> except in one or two episodes. You know, the they, only they who were being hit was the already uh, bad guys. Yeah. And another element that would made it so much fun too, was that, uh, you know, they adopted, you know, 
the theme from kind of the fugitive in that they were being, you know, not only were they trying to fight, fight the bad guys of the week, they were also trying to elude their constant pursuer, which in the first season was General Lynch uh, or Colonel Lynch. And then the next uh, season was re he was replaced by uh, Colonel Decker, who I preferred, played excellently mm. by Legault. Uh, who had the voice? Lance Legault was, you know, uh, was it was just in many things in the 1980s and even into in the 70s and the 80s and probably into the 90s. Um, he's passed now, but uh, I, I thought he was a great adversary. Lynch was kind of more of a buffoon, um, and 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 was kind of more of a comedic character. But Lance Legault was definitely when they introduced him. What and I don't know why Lynch was replaced if it was a, a particular reason or what. And they did bring Lynch back once in one episode. Um, but uh, I always thought Decker was which was a much more menacing uh ca character for, for them. And um, it was always fun to watch the, the hot pursuit of you know the military trucks versus the little you know BA's black van. And, uh, and and face faces um, Corvette. Um, there was just it was just really a fun show. Uh, you didn't have to get too deep into it, but you always you know you rooted these guys on, and um, and you always knew they were going to you know uh, prevail in the end and stop the bullies, and um, and it, it is always a winner in syndication it's on many shows I, I believe it's running on the me tv channel among many others probably and um della reese played ba's mom i thought that was cool and um you know it had a lot of different guest stars over the course of the five seasons and um uh the there was some cast changes uh, uh, Melinda, they, you know, it, it, it's been reported in interviews that um, George Papard, the lead, uh, Hannibal Smith, you know, didn't want a female on the set. Um, didn't didn't feel that this was that a, that a woman should be part of the the team, um, and uh, you know, was was not. Well, in his terms, wasn't nasty about it, but was just didn't feel that that was what viewers wanted and that they wanted this to be kind of a guy centric show where they went out and did their, you know, shoot 'em ups and, and, and stuff like that, which I don't necessarily agree with. I, I think that character added a lot. She she did like the research. She did some of the stuff and she wasn't being pursued by the law so they so they needed somebody like that as part of the team um but uh i think midway through the second season they wrote her out and almost immediately brought in another actress who uh played tanya baker who was more of a watered down version and and, and a, a a reporter um and she didn't end up staying long either i think by the third season it was an episode where she, where it was almost a takeoff on Indiana Jones and uh, uh, Barry Van Dyke, you know, Dick Van Dyke's yeah. son, I believe, was the archaeologist and, and was part of this story. And by the end of that episode, or it might have been a two-part episode, Tanya Baker ends up engaged to him and they go off happily ever after. And we never see Tanya Baker again. Um what we what we may not remember is that in the end of the fourth season um we we almost get another female despite all these objections we we almost get another female uh character who was going to join the team and that was Tia Carrera in the finale of that season which was a really good episode. It, it, it kind of broke format in, in a number of ways. It's when they, they really focused on their time in Vietnam. Um, and I b believe his name was General Wainwright, uh, 
who who had also previously been pursuing the A team among the, those. I think he was in, introduced at least one episode earlier. Uh, um, kind of comes to the A team and he is searching for his daughter uh, that that he had during Vietnam and that character and i i'm afraid i don't remember her name um was played by tia carrera and by the end of that episode um he dies he's actually killed during the conflict there's a mystery about him and what happened there and there's flashbacks to that time in vietnam and it was definitely a slightly different tone to the show uh, but but I thought it was great. And they end up leaving Vietnam um, with her, with the idea that she would probably be sticking around and being part of the team. But uh, from my understanding, what happened was that Tia Carrera was doing a soap opera at the time. I don't know if it was Days of Our Lives or whatever. Um, on what and whatever, you know, network, if it was Days of Our Lives, I think it was NBC, and that's the same network that the A-Team was on, and they wouldn't let her out of the contract, um, so she was not part of the A-Team uh, the following season, which, when we hit the fifth season, which was an abbreviated season, it was only, I believe, 13 episodes long, unfortunately, because uh, the ratings had dipped, um, they changed the whole format of the A-Team. And um, they were no longer fugitives. Um, they There was a three-part season premiere, you know, a, a three-episode op opening for the, for, for the fifth season, which introduced new characters of um, uh, Robert Vaughn, who played General Stockwell, who was a head of a... Uh, government operation and a, a, you know a covert government operation the a team had been captured and were were facing you know all of all all save uh you know mad dog murdoch played wonderfully by dwight schultz who i also i have met here. him he is he is so cool and of course he is cool as well you know yeah i he's have met um Dwight Schultz, uh, when he went to uh, a Comic Con in the Netherlands, and he was the first uh, celebrity I ever met. And uh, yeah, and um, of course, I also known him as uh, Lieutenant Barkley from Star Trek TNG. Yeah, <laughs> and that was one reason why I wanted to meet him and I went on a picture with him and he signed it etc and uh, but he is so nice he is so cool and funny and uh, especially when he um, what I always loved about him uh, in the 80 minute also as in Star Trek he plays those roles like I think a lot of especially nerds but also like uh, regular people can identify with him and he brings always the fun note into a series or a movie or whatever exactly he is so relatable he's kind of the the nerdy guy or the crazy guy but you you immediately love the character whoever he's playing yeah and uh he's really like that in real life i, I you know i saw him at a convention as well and um, he was very open to questions. I think I, I talked to him more at the, the, the autograph table than I did at, um, you know, than, than, I, than I heard of his presentation. And I had asked him about Tia, you know, and that whole thing. And they said, yeah, there was, there was changes in the writing and, and all of that. Um, and just the wonderful rapport that he had with BA. Um, you know. That is so funny great. though, Stu. <laughs> You know, the, the, they just drove each other crazy, but you knew that they would die to protect each other. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the whole thing that, that B.A. hated flying uh, un, until his until I believe his mother was in jeopardy. And, and then he he said, we've got to fly. You know, that was the only episode where, where B.A. would would 
you know, and they had to knock him out, and he knew they were going to knock him out, and then there was a whole recurring thing of how they would trick him into, you know, getting drugged or whatever, and the, the, the burger bags in one episode where he was like, no, no, I'm not going to eat that one. I'm going to eat yours. And then he's like, no, that's what you'd expect me to do. I'm going to eat this one. And then, of course, that was the drugged one and because you know, they had to get to wherever they were going. Mm. Um, and it was just such a fun show. Um, but, uh, you know, with, with going back to the fifth season, which definitely changed the format a bit, uh, Robert Vaughn was a great, I thought he was a great addition. Um, there was an actress who played Carla, the blonde secretary, but she was much more than that. She was sort of the, the right-hand person. And then they had the actor who played Dishpan, who I thought was a great addition to the team as well. And he was a special effects person on movies, because remember Hannibal would freelance uh, at times and do, you know, do like Gatorzilla or, or some kind of ongoing monster character where it, which in the opening of the series, you would see him, you know, in this kind of reptile alligator suit thing. And cause he was playing a stuntman, you know, or, or rather he would work as a stuntman on these, on these awful movies uh, as a means to make money. So, um, and the, and of course the funny part of the opening had face looking over as, you know, because this was also filmed by Universal, which also owned uh, Battlestar Galactica, had the Cylon walking by, and Dirk looked, Benedict looking over like, hmm, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it had a lot of tongue-in-cheek moments, and, um, you know, it, you, you, don't, you didn't really take it too seriously, but at the same time, it was just so much fun. It and, was, uh, yeah. You know, between the car chases and, you know, the occasional little romances and stuff like that. Um, but I, from what I understand, George Papard, as much as he was the star, was difficult to deal with. You know, like he, he, he did, they, they did go to some foreign country and I forget where they went. And uh, he, he thought it was supposed to be, he was just him. And then he found out that, Dirk and and Mr. T and the rest were going, and then he didn't want to go. I I don't understand that, and I don't want to disparage George Papard because I really liked George Papard's you know portrayal. Um, another point of irony in in that is that George Papard, we almost didn't have George Papard for 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 the A team. George Papard had auditioned for the role of Blake Carrington prior to this in Dynasty. And probably was he was favored to get that role over even John Forsythe. Uh, if John Forsythe had gone for it, I don't, I don't recall the details, but what I had heard is that he showed up at the audi audition drunk. And, you know, um, Aaron Spelling, you know, produced that. And then the people over in, in, at, at Dynasty um, didn't want that. So he, he didn't get that part. And it did go to John Forsythe. Um, and, you know, he cleaned up his act. And, um, you, know, you know, clearly got the role in, in the A-team. And I think it was all meant to happen. Because I can't see the other way around. I can't see John Forsythe playing <laughs> Hannibal Smith. But, um not that that would have happened, but I'm just, um, I, you know, it, it's amazing how things are cast and stuff. And Mr. T had just come off of, you know, Rocky, Rocky three, uh, playing, you know, Rocky's nemesis and, and how he had become such a wonderful, you know, good guy in, in, um, in the A team, um, you know, but but really, what I what I um, remember most, uh, or remember a lot from as far as that fifth season is that that the show ended without a really proper finale. Yeah. Now they had hinted they had hinted that they would get that pardon because that's what happened. They ended up instead of hiring themselves out, they were still on the run. But really, that wasn't. That really wasn't focused on anymore. Uh, they were sent on these more spy-like missions, um, 
and they were working for General Stockwell secretly, you know, as covert operatives. But they weren't really always happy there because they were kind of under his control. And, and of course, the A-team didn't want to be under anybody's control. And um, they, you know, I remember the, the, the final episode, which had Howling Mad Murdoch wearing special T-shirts in almost every other scene where, where you would see things like him wearing a T-shirt saying, Fini, uh, you know, or ending or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was yeah. Like, yeah, it was done. And you just are, you are assuming that in another mission or so, they're just going to get their pardon finally. But really, I thought NBC did a disservice by one, cutting the number of episodes. I guess the ratings did go down, but it wasn't down to the point where they couldn't have done some kind of special two-hour episode and or or even if they didn't realize it was going to be canceled for NBC had it had been such a ratings blockbuster for NBC that it just seemed like there should have been some kind of special ending for that show and 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 finally give them that pardon um and personally i think there was enough there that they should have you know finished the show and spun off at least <laughs> You know, B.A. and maybe Howling Mad Murdoch, because there was plenty to do with B.A. Uh, you know, it, his side story was that he worked at kind of a, a children's shelter or something like that, where he helped out kids and and things like that. Uh, Face, of course, was the con man, you know, would, would always have some kind of scam going on. And that was part of his skill as a member of the A-team. And Howling Mad Murdoch would, would finally get out of the mental institution because they had to break him out in almost every episode. So, you know, that was always part of the formula up until the fifth season when he was just part of the, you know, they had just broken him out. But um, it, it was it was a good show. And then, you know, um, they did have the big screen movie uh, years later, which... Uh, which Dirk Benedict and uh, Dwight Schultz appeared in as cameos, which was was good. Mr. T refused to do that um, for whatever reason, and um, it. I thought that movie captured the flavor somewhat as much as it could without the original cast. Liam Nielsen playing Hannibal Smith, I thought was an interesting choice. Um, you know, the other characters, I, I cast members, I thought were fairly adequate to, to the role but nothing could could compete with you know the original flavor of the show which is usually always the the, the situation and, yeah uh, i had to i had the same feeling about that that is one of the reasons i didn't see it yet and it's kind of also like me being also like an uh, 1890s kid that I say, okay, I am staying true to the series and the original cast. Then uh, watching a movie that I was, because I don't know, I, I had the feeling, okay, this will not be a blockbuster that it would be because it is, well, like different um, mm, yeah. actors, but Things also like... They had to update it. They had to, you know, and they modified certain characters. The Lynch character was a totally different kind of person. Um, they did add uh, a different female character. I don't believe that was a reinvented version of, of AAA, but I think she had a different name, and she was in the military, um, you know, and then she clearly, they linked her up with, with Face. Um, you know, Naturally. of course, it was... Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, um, you know, you never can re. There's certain shows you just can't recreate, and uh, sometimes with the big screen reboots or or remakes, they go a totally different direction, and they try to make it comical, which really is 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 bad. Um, you know, like Dark Shadows when they brought Dark Shadows back. Uh, as a movie and, and made it more campy. Ch the, the movie Chips, um, Jump Street, you know, they and, and they never do well at the box office because it basically makes fun of what we enjoyed, 
you know, in our in our younger years or, or when we first were introduced to the show. Um, the A-Team doesn't really age that much when you watch the reruns. I mean, we may, you know, it's it's clearly, you clearly see that it was done in the 80s, but at the same time, the themes and, and you know, uh, the the whole thing of, of fighting the bullies, and, and I'll go back to that again, you know, and in criminals. Um, you know, they there was also an episode with, with John Saxon which was a clear takeoff of the Jonestown tragedy, uh, which was pretty, you know, that was a very serious subject and the way that they approached it still worked. Um, you know, that he, it was called uh, Jamestown, you know, it, it was very loosely, you know, ripped off, but, but mm. they did an excellent episode. And John Saxon is just, He's great. He was great in everything that he ever did, personally. And um, and they did have another episode. I think it was the second season opening uh, where they had, they went to, to Mexico, I believe, and they had like a, a Mexican cartel and um, they, you know, and, and the daughter, I think there was a love interest between the daughter and, and either Hannibal or Face. Uh, and, and it was... Even though he he was the bad guy, there was some kind of comic moments there. Um, by the time, because they ended up fighting another bad guy, at the, then they had to team up with the A team. So, you know, there was there was a lot of good, you know, um, stories. I thought, you know, lightweight stories, but stories, you know, good good entertaining stories nonetheless. And uh, I I. I still have many fond memories and and even though I was in college at the time later on you know just because I'm an action figure collector I did get you know I did pick up all the A-team Galoob action figures <laughs> that they had and uh, and the van and stuff like that and I'm, I'm sure I still have it um, you know but I, I you know I've always been a big fan of, of, of the series and um, I had always hoped that they could go back and do, you know, even after George Papard had passed away, I still had hoped that they could just do a street sequel to it, you know, like a one, two yeah. hour movie where, where maybe now, not so much the pardon because that time had passed, but maybe, you know, I could have so seen uh, face would have gone on to capitalize on the whole thing. He and he and triple a would have written a book about the AT. There could have been a whole thing about that. And, 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 and then leading into some, some buddy that didn't want them to write the book and, and, and it brought them all together. Uh, and, and maybe obviously not Hannibal, but, um, at that time, maybe they could have brought back, you know, um, Stockwell, um, who was, uh, Robert Vaughn, but of course he's gone now too. And um, yeah, I, I had always had this thought that somehow they, they could have brought them back for one more thing. And, you know, you, yeah, you that would be nice, like a big finale of all uh, the whole A team. Like maybe in a, in a sequel, like uh, bringing them all together and just uh, go to Memory Lane. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, or even, you know, I'm surprised that somebody didn't get the idea of like doing a sequel series, like mm. either a new A team with, with, you know, with the same continuity and bringing back the three of them for, you know, like introducing a younger group, uh, you know, uh, of, of mercenaries who, who would have done kind of the same thing and, but, but would have captured more of the original formula of hiring themselves out and, um, you know, with 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 them at least appearing in in the pilot with them, and and kind of uh, e even if they called it the B team, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, and and I think the A team had its its effect on you know on television in that a lot of shows tried to copy that kind of action comic you know, chemistry, like shows like VIP, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I could see that with, with, uh, 
you know, that followed Baywatch. Um, you know, I, I could, I could, I could see that there were some elements there, you know, that, that, that they had, um, or Renegade, you know, uh, and Stephen J. Cannell, uh, really, you know, uh, was, was a master. I mean, you know, these are, these are the days when you had producers that were solid in what they, they were able to do with hits. And, uh, and he was certainly one of them. Uh, Bruce Lansbury, uh, um, Aaron Spelling. I'm trying to think of the name and I should know this, uh, of, uh, Larson. And I can't think of his first name <laughs> I mean, from, you know, from Battlestar Galactica and, and, and Buck Rogers name producer people that, that, that were able to come up and, and, you know, the networks had great confidence in their ability to, to, to make a show. Although at the time, greatest American hero was, uh, what was on ABC and, and Canal did that first and they didn't, ABC didn't have that same confidence. And yet, you know, and, and, and after greatest American hero, which I'm not, sure how long that lasted it had, it had several seasons but then you know he really established himself solidly as a as a producer he was always a writer of, of tv shows um but you know with the a team you know he kind of cemented his success um because that that went over big at the time so do you think uh if they are going to make a sequel series of the a team now do you think it will be that good as the original? Well, one, I would hope that unlike some of the CW sequels where they, you know, of, of like Dynasty and, 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 oh my gosh, there's so many se reboots and things that they've done, you know, and taking the original characters. I think when you, you know, with such an iconic show like the A-Team, if you were to recast um them and then have a new hannibal have a new you're going to run into the same problem that you had with the movie um i would rather see personally some kind of a sequel series where they pass the baton to um you know to to a new team where they could develop because i think now we would see a different type of show we would see a show where you would have similar themes, but they would delve deeper into the characters, which which I think is a good thing. Um, that's the one thing that I wish they could have done with the A-Team, that we could have... You only saw in a few episodes a few tidbits of their past. Uh, you know, like I mentioned with B.A., and, 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 and we know he had his, his mom, Della Reese, and... But we didn't really know and too much about Howling Man Murdoch's past. We really didn't know too much about Hannibal Smith, uh, or, or or really even Face. Um, you know, I I think we would want to see stuff like that. Um, but I but I you know, and I could be wrong. Maybe maybe recasting them. But but you put them. You'd have to put them in this world now, uh, which is fine. You know, and it would have to be more. You know, more military activity of, of, of service time in, in this era. Um, and, and clearly you would have more representation. You, you would probably finally get a female who was, you know, kicking butt just as much as, as the rest of them. Um, I'd love to see some kind of sequel show that, that could, you know, pass the baton to, to, to them and, and then do, the same kind of thing that they were doing, which was, you know, standing up for the little guy. Um, you know, those that were being oppressed by either criminals or, you know, corrupt politicians or, you know, and, and I think that's a theme that certainly resonates right now in this world of, of people trying to stand up to the, to a, to a, to bad guys and to a bad establishment. So I, I think it could work. I, I really do. I, I, you know, add some, add some nice flavor, add some, some genuine characters, add some, a little comedy along the way and, and, you know, and, and action, of course, that would be essential. But I, I, I think there's a way to do it. I don't know if they would be gun shy in trying it. No, no pun intended. Um, 
you know, doing reboots is, is difficult sometimes. Yeah. How you approach it. And, and you wonder sometimes some of the shows that you would think would work so well, like the last version of Charlie's Angels on TV, when they brought Charlie's Angels, not, not the movies so much, but definitely the TV version was so bad because they strayed so far away um, that it, I don't think it, it, it lasted more than three episodes. You know, um, you know, the, it, it, it's 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 something uh, I'm surprised that Dynasty, the new Dynasty, which I, I tried to get into and just was like, no, this is not my Dynasty. And I, I, I just couldn't stick with it. I, I watched it for a few episodes just to see what they were possibly doing with it. And it was like, no, you know, but and, but it lasted for I think <coughs> this, it, it's ending now for five seasons. And and granted, Dynasty is nothing like the A-Team. But, uh, yeah. you know, and I've heard good things about Walker, but they're not trying to make Walker like Texas Walker, even though there is mm, some disconnect. Yeah. Or yeah. even Kung Fu. The show Kung Fu has absolutely, the current show Kung Fu has absolutely nothing to do with the original or even the, the, the 1990s sequel, um, which is fine because I think it stands up wonderful. I mean, I'm a big fan of, of the new Kung Fu. I don't know what, what they gained by calling it Kung Fu because while there is martial arts involved in it, it's it's a totally different tone to the show than, than we saw in the the David Carradine, you know, series. Um so, you know, it and but but then you have shows like SWAT that, you know, are, are very that that were remade. And I think it's lasted longer than the original SWAT uh, from the 70s. And they totally changed. They kept the names, but they totally changed the backgrounds and everything of all the characters. Um, you know, Hondo was was married with a kid, uh, you know, and this Hondo Harrelson, you know, was not or, or I, I don't know I didn't see enough episodes to really judge but you know remakes get tricky you know um, Magnum P.I. <laughs> um, that didn't last too long um, whereas Hawaii Five-0 lasted not nearly as long as the original but it lasted you know for, for I guess five years maybe longer uh, surprisingly so I don't know um I'd still love to see them give it a try, but then again, I'm a diehard fan, and you know, I, I will always watch the reruns and <laughs> things like that. So, yeah. Um. So, if you would stand in front of a, a young teenager now, and you have to. Uh, tell them about the A-Team and convince them to watch. Uh, is there any episodes you would like to recommend or what would you tell them? Hmm. I tell them overall, that's a very good question. Um, I tell them overall, okay, this is a show that is pre-internet, <laughs> you know, <laughs> This is this is not this was you know a product of its time, but it's still a lot of fun. You know, don't don't expect you know uh, story arcs. You know, th things that we're now so accustomed to. And I'd have to explain to them, you know, like there is a connection here and there, but you know, it's episodic. Uh, you know, it's it's there is a lot of action. There's a lot of, you know, shooting, but nobody gets hurt, <laughs> generally. <laughs> and I would just play up the fact that it, it does still have some themes that are always going to be relevant. And that is, you know, good guys versus bad guys. And in, in, in the, especially in this world, stick uh, standing up for the innocent. And, and for those that are getting, um, well, beyond picked on getting exploited or victimized and that that's what the a team did that they they went in um even knowing that they wouldn't always collect a fee uh that they would go in and they would stop the people that were trying to you know exploit them or steal from them or 
hurt them, you know, in many cases, um, physically. And that, that, that was, you know, that is something that, that, that we see in our heroes today, you know, whether they're superheroes or cops or, or what, um, and the A-team did this and, and, and they themselves were victims because they were framed for, you know, the crime that they didn't commit. And, uh, you know, and they put their lives on the line. You know, I'm talking like they're real people. But I mean, that that's what I what I would tell them is that give it a try. You know, you, you might think it's kind of glossy and silly. But really, if you if you try to get into those old storylines, they really have some relevance to today. You're just yeah. not going to see the internet. You're not going to see, you know, a, a lot of gratuitous sex or whatever, you know, um, and things. Um, but you will see, you know, an action-packed, fun show that that you can enjoy. That's, I guess that's what I would try to convince them of. Okay. And, and really, it's true. It's true. Yeah. It, it really is, you know. Yeah, indeed. Um, I have one last question, and maybe this is a fairly difficult one. But um, if you have to rate the A-Team series from one being very bad to ten very good, what would be your rating? I really enjoyed it. I, I would have to look at some of the other, you know, some of the other 90, 1980s shows that we, we had, like Knight Rider. Like, I would definitely put A-Team above Knight Rider. Um, yeah. In, in that I liked Knight Rider, don't get me wrong, but I just thought that the A team was better in that, and, and it's comparable because Knight Rider and A team did a lot of similar stuff, and their story structure was very. Um, I know I just realized Glenn, Lar Glenn Larson, I couldn't think of his first name, um, you know, had, had done that, that, had done Knight Rider and, and others. I would put, I guess I would put the A team somewhere like on a seven. Which uh, you know, I, I think, I think generally it always hit its its. It didn't always hit its mark, but it it, it generally hit its mark um, as far as enjoyment. And I think of of my many favorite '80s shows. Um, you know, given given the time that that it was done and the budgets that they had, uh, you know, and the amount of episodes that they produced back then, like these days. If we were to go back to your other question and we saw an A-team and it was done on the streaming service, we would get less episodes, but we'd probably get more money per episode. We might get, you know, uh, to be able to do more things, you know, both in content that they couldn't do back then. Uh, we'd probably see more message stories and things like that. Um but, but to answer this question, I, I would put it like seven. I would put it pretty close to the 10. Um, you know, it, it, it wasn't always a perfect show, but it was a lot of fun. So. Yeah, I, I agree to that. <laughs> you know, I, 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 it's always, if I should go passing through uh, the, the channels and come across, you know, BTV and, uh, or, or whatever you know, channel it's on that's being syndicated, I will have to stop and, and at least see which episode it is. Um, <laughs> you know, and if, if it's before the opening comes up, then I have to stop and, and, and watch it until, you know, it does its opening, you know, whether yeah. it's in the early one where it, it even says in 1977 or, or whatever, uh, uh, the, you know, I used to be able to repeat the whole thing. Um, <laughs> uh, and then it was modified in the second season where they didn't give the, the year. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you can find them, maybe you can hire the AT. Yeah. You know, and hear, hear the gunshots and dun, 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 you know. And <laughs> Again, you, 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 you can't take it too seriously this is not shakespeare or it's not like you know but at the same time this this was fun tv yeah it was. was 
must he must TV fun TV. I how I put it, you know. Yeah. Well, Bob, thank you, uh, thank you very much for joining me again. It was nice talking to you. You as well. Thank you. It was uh, very fun to talk about eighteen because also like me, uh, I'm an eighteen nineties child, so. I always watch the reruns, and like you, when it's uh, I'm stepping on TV, I uh, yeah, I always have to look uh, what episode it is, so I can relate to that. Um, and, and another thing about the A Team that I still love in the shows, they had titles. Now I know, you know, even in Star Trek, one of the on the new Star Trek, I'm a little disappointed in that while they the episodes still have titles. They don't have titles on when you when the show starts, uh, and I kind of like I kind of yeah. like the fact that it was like, and uh, and we didn't even get into like say the 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 something uncle affair, which was a takeoff of the fact that uh, Robert Vaughn and David McCallum, who was the guest of that particular episode, were from the Man from Uncle, and you know and and and. It, David McCallum played a, a Russian spy and, you know, and, and that was the name of that episode. And they specifically did the takeoff on, you know, on, on that, you know, with their, with their title. So um, I, I miss that in shows, you know, I, I yeah, like that. I know what you, uh, what you mean. I, it's, yeah, it's just, uh, and I think they also did that differently with like uh, Peter Jackson did that with uh, the Lord of the Rings that mm-hmm. he first did and then he put the title on but i know what you mean and uh, yeah i think a lot of 80s 90s kids will be always saying okay 18 was always one of the coolest series there is so um yeah well thank you very much again and i hope to talk to you soon again yes i would look forward to it i i, I really enjoyed this thank you it was a nice nostalgic trip back. <laughs> yeah. I have that lately. I, I, I was thinking, okay, what kind of subjects can I do for my podcast? And then uh, because uh, at the moment, me and my fiance are watching the whole timeline uh, of uh, the Power Rangers. And I was thinking, okay, I can be nerdy. I can be geeky. Uh, 80s, 90s kid. Okay, let's go all back to all those old 80s and 90s series like Baywatch 18. So that was my uh, intention. Dear listeners, thank you for listening and join me in two weeks for a new episode of Orenda Talks. You can listen and subscribe to Orenda Talks on the YouTube channel or join the Facebook group. If you'd like to comment or talk with me about the episode, episode you can reach out on the facebook group and the youtube channel the next episode is about the never ending story i also like to tell you about my two other podcasts called girls talking track and orenda's book club smooth jazz tea and box girls talking track together with my lovely co-host amanda hopper we recap every two weeks an episode of star trek tng all the episodes will be recapping chronically following we will approach each episode with humor and a feminine look. Ghost Tracking Track is also to listen or follow and subscribe on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts or on all the other podcast providers. We also have a Facebook group and a YouTube channel. Every tenth episode will be a live streaming so you can talk live with us about the episode. Or on this book club Smooth Jazz Tea and Books is a podcast that will discuss books of all genres. You can discuss with me on YouTube the channel or the Facebook group. There will be book reading events with live discussions. Of course, you can also give me recommendations what I can read. My perfect picture while reading a book is in front of the fireplace, loads of tea and smooth jazz in the background. So join me, read with me and discuss with me the books we are reading. I will see you in two weeks.